Wake up, Jeff. Let's go. We're back. We're back with another episode. After six months off, we have returned. <laughs> Sorry about that hiatus, but we're back. Um, There's probably not much else to say. We just want to get into no, it, No, right? just life gets in the way, guys. We're not full-time <laughs> podcasters, so yeah, fucking deal with it. <laughs> just joking. No. Just kidding. No, we actually have been really wanting to do one but it's just been a lot lately but we're ready okay let's just do it we're ready to go i think it's a bit of a long one let's jump right in okay so just years after a series of rapes in a suburb outside of toronto canada a serial killer brutally targets young girls in another town in canada the blood trail led to the most unlikely of suspects a beautiful young married couple the details of this case are honestly sickening what two people have the ability to do to others that are vulnerable is like terrifying. It's so messed up. So I'm going to tell you the story from the very start of the couple's lives and give you all the details that we have. It won't be all of them. It's a very long case, but as much as I could fit in. Let's go for it. So this is a story of the Ken and Barbie killers, a.k.a. the case of Carla Homolka and Paul Bernardo, a.k.a. the Scarborough Rapist, a.k.a. The Witch of Ontario, a.k.a. The Schoolgirl Killer. A lot of aliases. I've yeah. heard of the Ken and Barbie mm-hmm. killers. The name sounds familiar. Yeah, so lots of names. It's actually two cases combined. Um, the Scarborough Rapist occurred, but with the same people. So the Scarborough Rapist occurred first. He essentially got away with it, then moved, got married, became, um, sorry, got married to his wife, and then they became the Ken and Barbie killers right. with his wife. Okay, gotcha. So let's get into it. Paul Bernardo was born on August 27, 1964, in Ontario, Canada, to Kenneth and Marilyn Bernardo. The Bernardos were a stable, middle-class family and considered to be well-off from the outside looking in. But, as with all the cases we've covered so far, this deceptively normal exterior masked a much darker truth. In 1975, Kenneth Bernardo, so Paul's dad, was charged with child molestation and there were rumours he had even molested his own daughter. Despite these troubles, witnesses recalled Paul was, quote, always happy, a young boy who smiled a lot, suggesting he was not significantly affected by his unfortunate childhood. That's always how it starts. Mm -hmm. It's always starts. There's always the parent does something and um, just downhill from there. Yep. Well, pretty much that's what I say next. So um, when Paul was 16, his mother revealed to him that he was actually the result of an extramarital affair, again, similar to one of the other cases that we covered. Researching all these cases is really interesting to me. Like it demonstrates the effect of nature versus nurture on these perpetrators. Um, were you just born with it? Is it in your DNA or is it the scenarios they're exposed to throughout your childhood that led to someone becoming a serial killer? Like what you just said. It's always something so far, the ones that we've done, something's happened and it like snowballs into them becoming a psychopath. Except the one we, I think the most recent one we did, nothing happened to him. No. Uh, I think he I think moved was, He moved towns, yeah, but it was nothing was overly it. traumatic. That's true. Anyway, so after Paul found out about the truth about his mum cheating and his conception, there was a big noticeable change in his behaviour. Paul was an attractive and charming guy, which turned out to be an unfortunate combination that he used to manipulate women and catch them off guard. When he went to study at the University of Toronto, he persistently began picking women up at bars, only to later humiliate them and beat them. Beginning in May of 1987, a series of horrific crimes began to play out in the suburb of Scarborough in Ontario. I think I'm saying that right, Scarborough. Yeah, Scarborough. It seems like he's just taking out his 
uh, frustrations mm. that he has with his mum on these poor, innocent young ladies. Yeah. It's a great um, synopsis. Yeah, great synopsis. The first victim was a young woman who was getting off her bus in the early hours of May 4th, 1987. She was grabbed and brutally raped near her parents' home. A further two attacks would occur in the next two weeks alone. So he was a busy boy. Mm-hmm. The attacks all had the same MO, which stands for what? Modus operandi. It's like your favourite <laughs> saying. Is, you yeah. say it all the time. Um, the women were all between the ages of 15 and 21, so so young, which is scary. How old was he? Um, he's just gone to uni. uni, so early 20s, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So they were underaged as well as yeah. ra- being raped. Yep. Each assault included verbal abuse, beatings and threats to ensure the victims would not come forward to police. Thankfully, they did, and this led the police to believe that all these attacks were perpetrated by the same assailant. They all had the same MO. Everyone's coming forward. They were quickly connected. The media quickly dubbed the man the Scarborough Rapist. What was the MO? His modus operandi was 15 to 21-year-old oh, females. Okay, right. That was from the bus stop that he could easily, like, you know, grab, rape, mm-hmm. and think that he had the power to, for them not to come forward, but thank God they all did. The assault continued on for almost five years and the Scarborough rapist, who we now know was Paul, attacked at least 19 young women. There are likely more victims. However, this is just the official count that is um, calculated. No, counted. Counted? That's pretty Um, piss poor from the police. Five Five years, years. I know. know. What the fuck are they doing in Canada? (laughs) Too nice. This is a long time ago. This is 1987. So, obviously, no security cameras, no... I don't know about DNA back then. I don't think so. It would have been security cameras. It's not the 1800s. It's basically 1990 in Canada. Okay. Well, it's not like it is today. It's not 2023 doorbell cameras. Anyway, majority of the victims were grabbed around bus stops. However, at least one of the girls was attacked in her own bedroom. A few of the victims managed to fight their attacker off, and this led to Bernardo being questioned twice by police because he was identified, recognised. However, he was never named as an official suspect. So he was always a person of interest that they wanted to speak to, but not named as a suspect. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until May of 1990 that one of Bernardo's victims was able to give police an accurate description of her attacker. By this time, the Scarborough rapist had become even more deranged. I'm pretty sure there's a police sketch, I'm pretty sure, of this. So we'll put that on our Instagram and TikTok. We'll do so it. So you can see like how similar they look. Paul Bernardo had met Carla Hamolka in 1987 when he was 23. So the attacks started when he was 23, 1987. Um, so they met as he was starting to do this when he was 23 and she was 17. So again, underage. Bit creepy. Yep. By this time, there were already three victims linked to the Scarborough rapist. In the beginning, Carla had no idea that the man she was falling in love with had this other side to him. Paul showered Carla with presents and flowers and treated her really well at the start. The relationship quickly became intense, both physically and emotionally. It is alleged, I this always get this, alleged or alleged? Alleged. Okay. It is alleged that Carla and Paul no, had not, an... No, not alleged, alleged. Alleged. I said alleged. You said alleged. It is alleged that Carla and Paul had an immediate spark. This attraction only intensified when Paul discovered that Carla shared the same sick fantasies that he had. They were literally a match made in hell. I was pretty proud of that one. <laughs> Over the next year and a half, Paul would drive the almost 130-kilometer trip to see Carla in St. Catharines several times a week. Jeez, it's almost as far as I drive to come here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> 
It's like a half an hour drive. Uh, how long? How far is 130 k's? A few moments later. 130 k. <laughs> Apparently, the Homolka family loved Paul and weren't concerned with their six-year age gap, which is crazy. My parents would die if I was 17 and my boyfriend was 23. Yeah, it's a bit, uh, it's bit much. Well, it's illegal and it's gross. True. I don't know about because some countries it's 16 and up you can make i'm pretty sure in australia it's 18 yeah but so in canada we don't know so someone let us know please yes carla was the eldest of three siblings and was described as a quote well-adjusted pretty smart and popular child with a love for animals that led her to start working at a veterinary clinic after high school this is important later by the end of the year that she graduated high school so she's still in high school whilst they're dating Carla told her friends that Paul was verbally abusive to her, but she had always forgiven him, always making up excuses as you do when you're in that kind of a relationship. In December of the same year, so she's 17, Paul proposed to Carla on a romantic trip to Niagara Falls. What are you waiting for, buddy? Just Put me on blast. I um, am just waiting. Okay. The wedding was planned for the spring of 1991. Around the time of the engagement, Paul is actually questioned in regards to the Scarborough rapes as his picture was given to police as it had matched a sketch that was out in the media. So that's what I had spoken about earlier. He provided his DNA, but at the time, nothing further was done. He then moved from his hometown to live with Carla and her family in St. Catharines until they were able to get their own place. And it's no surprise that the sexual assaults in Scarborough suddenly stopped at the same time. And now, incidents began occurring in St. Catharines. Winky dink. Like Paul, there was nothing in Carla's outward appearance that hinted at the brutality lurking beneath the surface. It was during the 1990s that Canadians learned of a murderous married couple, this being Paul and Carla. They were known as the Ken and Barbie killer due to their outward appearances, and between 1990 and 1992, the couple raped and killed three young girls. The first victim was none other than Carla's own little sister, Ooh, Tammy Hamolka. That's messed up. I'll tell you the story of that. It was around Christmas in 1990 and Paul demanded to have Carla's 15-year-old sister as a gift. Quote, gift. That's not my words. Jesus. He asked her. (laughs) That's fucked up. Mm. On December 23rd, 1990, while at a Christmas party at the Malka family, Carla spiked her own sister's drinks with an animal anesthetic that she had stolen from the clinic where she worked. So she had access Normally, some unless you work at a hospital or this kind, you know, vet, you're not going to have access to that. But mm-hmm. she did. That night, while the rest of the family was asleep and Tammy was unconscious, Carla held a halothane-soaked cloth over her sister's mouth and took turns with Paul in raping her sister while videotaping the whole thing. Oh, mm-hmm. that's that's brutal. It's messed up. That is crazy. When Tammy began choking up vomit, the couple panicked and tried to hide the evidence before calling an ambulance. Obviously, she's unconscious on her back. That's the the worst. You're going to aspirate on your yeah. like You're going to vomit and you're going to choke on it. The teenager never regained consciousness and was pronounced dead at the hospital. Although the mysterious chemical burn on her face was noted, the drugs in her system were not detected and her death was ruled as an accident that resulted from choking on vomit after alcohol poisoning. So they got away with so that. The that family start. just probably thinks, oh, she must have had a couple had of cocktails or something mm. with no, when no one was watching. Exactly. And then fell asleep and... Chucked on her yeah. vomit. And that's what they ruled medically, anyway. After killing Tammy, Paul and Carla laid low for about six months. 
In June 1991, they abducted their second victim, 14-year-old Leslie Mahaffey. Bernardo kidnapped the girl, brought her home, and raped her for hours as Carla watched. Yeah, both of us, like, just makes your toes crawl. Mm. It's so messed up. She's just 14. I actually have goosebumps. And I've read all this, I know this, but anyway. It's still unknown whether it was Paul or Carla. However, one of them choked Leslie to death. Then the murderous couple chopped up her corpse, buried her in cement and tossed her body in Ontario's Lake Gibson. Jesus. Mahaffey's remains were discovered just a few days later on June 29th, the same day that Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka got married. Why would they put it in cement? They think it was going to sink to the bottom. Mm. But then they it must not, or did they get like a scuba team to go out? And Maybe, or if, I don't know. If it was yeah, how would they know it was in a lake? Yeah, I don't like know. If she just got chopped up and it's I don't creepy. know. I don't know. Maybe she lived near a lake or something, and the parents yeah maybe. reported it missing. Maybe who That's knows? True. Um, yeah, it was only a few, few days later, so they were on to it. Less than a year after they were married, fifteen-year-old Kristen French goes missing. Two weeks later, on April 30th, 1992, a man searching for scrap metal finds the body of Kristen in a ditch on the side of the road. This poor girl had been sexually assaulted, beaten and strangled to death. This was the second body of a girl to be found within the year and police and the FBI suspected that they were linked. It was theorised that this was the work of an experienced killer and that they may have an accomplice working with them, as an eyewitness saw the victim talking to a couple just hours before she went missing. Not ours, just before she went missing. <laughs> Eventually, Paul and Carla would be linked to the murder of both Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey. Carla eventually left Paul in January 1993 after he had beaten her so badly she had to move in with her relatives. Isn't that funny? No, it's not funny. No, no, not funny. If you let me finish, you- isn't it funny that she rapes and kills other little girls? And she gets beat up and says, oh, I'm, I'm not having that. I'm going to leave. But does it to... That's but weird. then it makes you think, like, is she being forced to do... I don't know. Is she being emotionally coerced into, into doing, doing it? Or, like, if you don't do this, I'll beat you. Yeah. You know, you don't know... What, we don't know what's happening outside of them. Yeah. But would you rather get beaten up or be forced to rape and kill... Beaten up. Someone. I'd rather get, if ba- I'd rather get bashed. If someone said it once... Go to the police yeah. and say he's threatening to do this. Don't engage in it. And mm. apparently the video on the videotapes, like she was very much into it. It wasn't – at the time she was not being forced. Yeah. Um, once Carla moved in with her family, she actually told them everything. And, of course, the family went and told the police because they're normal. <laughs> Carla was initially – Finally, someone's normal. Mm. Carla was initially uncooperative with police. After consulting with her lawyer, she said she would testify against Paul on the condition of being granted immunity. Insane. But she... she it raped, didn't happen, did so don't done, worry. Oh, good. Because she did the exact same thing he did. It's, yeah. The fact that they would even... Yeah. Like, the balls on her to ask for that. Yeah. The Attorney General would not agree to immunity. So, if they did, that would... Like, the system would be clearly so messed up, but they mm-hmm. didn't. Um, but they were, however, willing to consider a reduced sentence. On the 17th of February, 1993, Paul Bernardo was arrested for the murders of Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French, as well as the Scarborough rapes after his DNA was found to be a match, finally. So they had How come it DNA. took them so I long? Don't know. To I really don't know. Idiots. I don't know if it, no, but I don't know if it's because of the time. Like, now DNA you can match very quickly, but Come I don't on, know. Canada, turn it up. <laughs> I'm sure it's turned up now. 
Carla went through four days of interrogation in which she blamed Paul for her sister's death. So they weren't even looking into that, but she told them. She described how he had kidnapped Leslie Mahaffey from the yard of the girl's home and how she and Paul had lured Christian French to their car in the parking lot. She said both girls were used as sex slaves before Paul strangled them to death. It was also noted that Kristen was forced to watch a new segment of her father's emotional plea for her safe return, which is so beyond messed up. Wait, what, wait, what so happened? She, she was obviously abducted, yeah. missing. She's young, so they were like straight away, our daughter's is missing. Yeah. They went on the news saying, please come oh, home, you know, and, and they, they made, made her, her watch it. it. Ooh, yeah, that's being so helpless. Fucked like, up. Mm-hmm. Carla claimed to police that Paul had bragged to her about raping at least 30 women. Throughout the interrogations, Carla described herself as a battered wife who was forced to participate in her husband's crimes and lived in terror. I don't have much sympathy no. for her. I know she got beaten up, but no, I don't. Uh, I'm not buying it, buddy. No, neither. A search of their house turned up a list of the Scarborough rapes, perverse sexual books, a hunting knife, handcuffs, and a recorded video of the couple engaging in sexual activity with two unidentified young women. In the video, it was clear to see that Carla was a willing participant. So, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like She can say, oh, I didn't want to. You but can tell. Proof's in the pudding. Yeah. Why would you video it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, please. they didn't think they'd get caught, I mm. guess. She admitted to police that one of the girls had been drugged and was later unaware that she had been raped. At trial, Carla claimed that she was totally against the idea, that's a quote, but agreed to let Paul have sex with his, with her little sister, Tammy, after he wore her down with threats and violence. She testified that he chose December 23rd, 1990, as the day of the attack. Quote, he said, this is the day I want to do this. It would be a great Christmas present for me. <sighs> Carla said, I cried and begged him not to do it. He said, no, we're doing it. And that was it. That's... What a bunch of rubbish. No yeah. way. She's just sorry because she got caught. Yep. After the family Christmas party, Carla and Paul slipped drugs into Tammy's eggnog. When Tammy passed out, Paul raped her while recording the assault with his camera. Carla then placed a cloth soaked with halothane, an anesthetic she'd stolen from the veterinary hospital where she worked, over her sister's mouth. Paul allegedly demanded that Carla have sex with Tammy as well, and she did. She later died, as I said before, and due to the circumstances of the incident at the time, doctors concluded that Tammy's death was the result of accidental poisoning from alcohol. On the 6th of July, 1993, as part of a plea bargain with prosecutors, Carla pleaded guilty and was convicted on two counts of manslaughter in the deaths of Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French. She was basically sentenced to two 12-year sentences to be conserved concurrently. So two, so 12 years straight, that's it. Concurrently is at the same time. So she's out and about now. Well, Well, I guess we'll find out. I don't know. At the time of her conviction... She got off light. At the time of her conviction, authorities weren't aware that the initial police search of the Bernardo residence had missed a collection of videotapes that would prove to be the most damning and disgusting evidence of the case. On May 6, 1993, Bernardo's lawyer had retrieved six 8mm tapes that had been hidden in the home. They were not turned over to police until the 22nd of September 1994, so well over a year. Jesus. The tapes showed in graphic detail the rape of Tammy Homolka and the torture and the rapes of Leslie Mahaffey and Christian French. Carla appeared as Paul's willing accomplice and was not at all a frightened victim, as she claimed. Mm-hmm. 
News of the tapes prompted public outrage. The media accused the prosecution of making a, quote, deal with the devil in giving Homolka only a 12-year sentence for her role in the crimes. However, the Crown prosecution said it was obliged to stand by its agreement. So they couldn't go back in no, and change it. What I a, feel like making that agreement so very could. early. Yeah, I know. Should it, well, I don't know. It took a year for the tapes to... I don't know. It's She's very... Well, lucky. She She's is very, very lucky. lucky. Jury selection for the Paul Bernardo trial began May 1st, 1995. The trial lasted four months, during which Carla spent 17 court days in the witness box. Paul Bernardo was found guilty of all charges against him. Two counts each for first-degree murder, kidnapping, forcible confinement and aggravated sexual assault, and one count of committing an indignity to a human body. He was sentenced to life imprisonment and declared a dangerous offender, making parole very unlikely. Five years later, in 2000, both the Ontario Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court of Canada turned down Bernardo's efforts to appeal his murder convictions. In 2006, Bernardo's lawyer said his client had confessed in 2005 to 10 additional sexual assaults. Since 2013, he has been incarcerated at the Millhaven Maximum Security Prison in Ontario. The videotapes that showed the assaults of the murder and their victims were ordered to be destroyed by an Ontario court. Bernardo's lawyer, Ken Murray, who initially retrieved the tapes from the hiding place that was in Bernardo's home, was charged in 1997 with obstruction of justice right. and conspiracy to obstruct justice for failing to turn the tapes over to police. So that's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. However, Murray was acquitted of those charges in 2000. So <laughs> Murray's just, the lawyer? Yeah. Okay. Ken Murray. Yeah. Right. What an asshole. Mm-hmm. Ken. Ken. Fuck you, Ken. In 1996, a government inquiry into the investigation of Paul Bernardo found that police had made numerous mistakes, that rivalries among police agencies had further harmed the investigation, and that some of Bernardo's crimes might have been prevented if his DNA sample had been processed and matched earlier. That's what I said. Yep. I should the be three... a policeman. I <laughs> should be a detective. Detective. Carla Homolka served her full 12-year sentence and was released from prison in 2005 under a series of judge-imposed conditions, including restrictions on her movement and a ban on any contact with anyone under the age of 16. So she's alive out there now in Canada somewhere. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Those conditions, however, were overturned by another judge only months later, prompting criticism from the victim's families. Carla settled in Montreal where she gave birth to a son in 2007. So she's just she's just out there now, living her best married life. Married or had a had baby. A child, however, that happens. after raping and murdering Three. fourteen, fifteen year old kids, and she's just out there now, yep. living her best life. Yep. What the fuck? I know. Come on, Canada, turn it up. <laughs> Bloody hell! You do a pro, uh, petition. Petition, yeah, change dot org or whatever that website is. <laughs> yeah. Paul Bernardo became eligible for day parole in 2015 and full parole in February 2018 after having served 25 years in prison. If you tell me he is out of prison, I am going to destroy everything in this room. No, no, no. Um, However, in 2018, in October, his application for both day and full parole was denied by a panel of the Parole Board of Canada after only 30 minutes of deliberation. (laughs) I didn't even need that long. Yeah. 30 seconds. No, thank you. Exactly. As a dangerous offender, Bernardo will likely never be released. Good. I can't believe that that lady's out. I know. Just, I'm going to, yeah, Google her after this. She's just getting coffee and going to Toronto Raptors games. (laughs) I don't wonder if she changed her name because everyone would know that name. Yeah, you'd think that 
yeah, they would have released her under like a given her a safe house and why would they give her a safe I don't house? Know, so people don't come and murder her like well, get I want you, to. No, you don't. I'm just gonna Google. Yeah, where what is what is she up to now? This is her. Beautiful. Oh yeah. Don't stop. She's quite attractive. She was. She is. Um. 47, she has three children from her second marriage. Oh, my God. Those kids. Sparked outrage after being spotted volunteering at a primary school. Oh, my God. When was this article written? 2021. Jesus. She was pictured outside of Grease Adventist Academy where her children attended class by the Montreal Gazette. Is she under a different name or? I don't know. What the <laughs> fuck, Canada? You're stupid. When approached, you're she tried to he- shield her face from reporters and stated, I don't have anything to say. Uh, Andy Mirage, whose daughter attends a school, told the newspaper he discovered her history after a concerned citizen handed out leaflets. He said, I told my daughter, this lady, I don't want you to go near her. If she calls you, don't go near her and call me because I don't trust the school. Yeah. Whoa. Good. That's fucked up. Yeah. What, is there anything more recent? Like, what's she doing? 2023. Is there anything? I've got October 22. That's pretty good. Let's see. That is, what the fuck? She's just out there. Mm-hmm. That's bizarre. I cannot. I cannot believe that. Um, age thirty-five upon her release, Hamolka was unsuccessfully maintaining her privacy post-release. A judge in Quebec ruled that the media would not be restricted. Yes, from covering <laughs> her life post-prison, as she was deemed to remain a risk to the public. So that's good. They didn't try and protect yeah, her. Good. The Guardian reports. So that's a new source now. Um, upon her release, that she looked forward to drinking an iced cap. What? That's must random. be a Canadian drink. What I, is that? People. She said, quote, I don't want people to think I'm dangerous and I'm going to do something to their children. I think of what I have done and I don't think I deserve to be happy because of it. Well, that's good. Oh, here we go. She changed her name to Leanne Teal and said that she lived in Quebec. Her name hit the headlines around this time when it came out. She had been volunteering at a children's school, which I just said. Jesus. So there you go. There you go. I don't think you should be legally allowed to change your name when you have... Such charges against you. No. You shouldn't get any... She should still be brought away in jail. Yes, she should actually. Yeah. Anyway, so that was the case. What do you think? Terrible. Good one. I think best one yet. Like best one as in most interesting. Not the best one. that The most interesting to me. It's terrible what happened. Yes. And we... But very interesting. Yeah. Thoughts are with the families of the victims and everyone. But yeah, that's the case. That's it. Hope you enjoyed We'll be back hopefully less than six months' yeah. time with another case. <laughs> we shall see. Until then. Bye, everyone. Ciao.